His face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why not? Because I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the living one. Yes, I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you've seen and the things that are and those that are going to take place later. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are angels or messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. John was told to shut up, be quiet, stop talking about Jesus, and he was taken out of the game. He'd been sort of arrested, if you like, deported, and it wasn't a Greek island getaway. It was the island of Patmos. Apparently, there wasn't even a tree on it. It was barren. You couldn't go to the shops. There's not a cinema. He was just taken out of the game, isolated. And sometimes in our life, we can feel like that, can't we? I was going great guns for God, and then life came, and I was just sidelined. I was just taken out. I was shut down. I was shut up. I was made, my influence was made small, and God says, no, no. God says for John, great, I've got you alone. Let me give you a revelation which will go global for all of history. The Bible says not the least stroke of a pen will ever disappear from his word. It's the same for you. When situations come and circumstances come and you think, my my world has been made so small, God says, oh no, my child, I love you, I have purpose for you. It's the same as for John. You probably aren't going to get revelation because the Bible's finished being (laughs) downloaded to us, but you get the the point. The talk's in two halves. The first half is about us, is about lampstands. So here we go. There's a voice like a trumpet and John turns, as you would. You're like, you turn, and he sees one like a son of man. He sees Jesus, but he doesn't see him first. He turns, and he sees seven golden lampstands, which we find out are the churches. John saw the church before he saw Jesus, and people still do. On the whole, most people meet you or me or somebody else before they meet Jesus. So, how do you feel when people look at you? Don't look at me. I'm a rubbish Christian. Don't look at... Listen, when people look at you, they see Jesus. That's how they meet Jesus. Most people through you. And it's the same for you guys. And it's the same for you out over here. I don't know what you're thinking. Maybe some at the back thinking, yeah, but not me. No, no. Honestly, when you get a bit later, John's got a message for the seven churches. They weren't all that. They weren't all that. They certainly weren't perfect. Oh, when people meet you, see you, they have the opportunity to see Jesus. And you don't have to be perfect for that to happen. Thank goodness. You don't have to have it all sorted, just like these churches. God doesn't let them off the hook. He says, come on, get, get holy, deal with that, sort that out, because I want people to see me. I want people to meet me to get free. So we don't just not care about sin and think it doesn't matter. We're being changed from one degree of glory to another. But you don't have to wait to be used of God to draw people to Jesus. Fantastic. A church is called a lampstand. And basically four things about you guys, about the lampstand. 
The first one is this. It's made of gold. The church is precious. Do you know that? You're precious. You're precious in the sight of God. You're also precious to the world because that's what the light goes on and shines. You're precious. Gold's also rare. What God has done in your life, you can't get from a self-help book. You can't go to a cult or another religion and be born again. You can get a list of rules and try and earn your way, but only Jesus comes and says, let me take your sin, your shame, and your guilt, and I'll give you a trade. Swapsies, here we go. I'll give you my right living, my total purity, and I'll give it to you. So you can have free access to God the Father, and I'll take your sin and shame. You can't get there anywhere else. Your salvation is precious. You weren't born again using silver and gold. You were purchased and ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. Does your life have dignity, purpose? Oh, yes. You're so precious. We're precious. Next. You're powerful. I've got a couple of lampstands. They were brought by friends of ours from Jerusalem for us. But they're made of wood. <laughs> Turns out wood and candles don't always go so well. So one caught fire and then the top fell off. It's not very strong. It's not very robust. not permanent. Gold lampstands, they're pretty permanent. What God has done in your life can't be broken every time you mess up or you fail or you think, oh, I've blown it again. What he's done is the precious blood of his son. It's not your performance that bursts you. It's not your performance that keeps you. We purify ourselves. Why? Because we're in love. Because we want people to meet him, not because we're going to earn some sort of security. The precious blood of his son, who was perfect, paid for you. So what's in you is precious. It's powerful. The next thing about a candlestick is it's prominent. You get a candlestick and you put it here and then you put the light on top, it's prominent. Don't fear prominence. Don't fear prominence. Okay? I, I, I feel I've probably got a few prophetic things as we go through. I think there might come something in the near future for you which is prominent in some way. I don't know whether that's speaking into someone's life. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but I think God says, don't fear prominence if it comes your way. Feel, feel happy to step into it. The thing with prominence is, Jesus says, don't show off your relationship before people to try and impress them. Come before me in secret. And so when he gives us prominence, we get all nervous. Listen, we mustn't muddle up the stuff that Jesus says keep private and the stuff that, stuff that he says is public. My own time with him in the word or prayer or my giving so his kingdom can come through the church is not supposed to be displayed on billboards so everyone goes oh isn't he a great christian that's private but the other stuff is supposed to be public it says that god prepared good works in advance for his people to do and it says people will see those good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Who'd like to bring glory to God our Father before we meet him? Well, you've got to get public then. Who'd like to glorify still our Father in heaven in this life? You've got to get public. 
You've got to get public because the Bible's very clear. It says, behold how they love one another. So your care for each other should be on display. Your good works in helping people, caring for people, giving to people, it, it should be on display. So people go, I don't get why you do that for them. And then you go, oh, look. And they go, oh, look, one like a son of man. They find Jesus because they realize it's not all about us. So please don't fear prominence. Don't fear positions of prominence in work. Don't fear opportunities to speak to politicians. Don't fear prominence in someone's life even. Just one-to-one. They say, what do you think? Read your word, get wise, but answer. Then the, the final thing is they, they're purposeful. Do you remember you get these films about the gold rush in the old west in America and they're panning for gold. Cand- it wasn't gold candlesticks that came down. Look, I found a fully formed candlestick of gold. They were unformed. Someone had shaped and a craftsman. The Bible says you are God's workmanship. Who worked on you? The living God. The creator of it all formed and fashioned me. With my slightly receding hair and one eye bigger than that. Yeah, he was involved. He was involved. Especially when you're born again. That's that. This one's fading away. You can have illness. And when you're born again, it's perfect. And it starts in you and it starts to work its way out. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Man, you are precious. What's in you is powerful. It can't just be lost because you mess up once or twice. We're made for prominence, church. We're supposed to step in and say, oh, 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 pick me. You got housing crisis, mental health problems, loads of debt, male suicide. We're supposed to go pick the church. Oh, 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 me again, me again. Pick me. Why? Because he dwells in us. Scared? Yeah, of course we are. But confident in him. So, you're precious. What's in you is powerful. We're made for prominence. And we're purposeful. He's created us. What for? To have light literally indwell us. Stuck on top. Remain. That's what they're for. To hold light. You were made to hold his light. Yes, you were. But I've only been a Christian two weeks. You were made to hold his light. It says in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. I think it's going to, is there a slide for it? No, let's go quick. Matthew chapter 5. It says this. Ah, there we go. You, there's other Christians as well, so it's not all on us. (laughs) You are the light of the world. There isn't another one, church. Well, I don't think we want to step up to it. There isn't another light coming. There isn't another one. This is it. This is God. He's put it all in this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp, light a lamp, and put it under a, a basket or a bucket. But they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Light of the world. The church is global. You know, the end of slavery, the Second World War, um, when, after the Berlin Wall, when the Berlin Wall came down, one of the key aspects of that was the church praying. There was a huge prayer meeting that started a movement to bring it down. When apartheid stopped, everyone 
everyone, every commentator from every creed and color said it's going to be a bloodbath. And, and from South Africa, the churches said, world, stand with us. Please pray. My father had gone out to South Africa just before the global church prayed. And everyone thought this nation is going to be torn apart in a way that probably it will almost never come back together again. And there was pretty peaceful elections because the church is the global light of the world. They've got some issues still working through, haven't we all? But something happened because the church prayed. Then it says a city on a hill. We're supposed to have regional impact. It's helped through things like baby basics where we provide what's necessary for mums having newborn children that don't have maybe enough to feel like they're going to provide a good start. It comes through the anti-traffic work we do where someone's taken hold of a woman and said, I'm going to use you. And you say, no, we're going to find you. We're going to give you a safe place and start to pour encouragement in you so you can stand on your feet again. It comes through CAP, Christians Against Poverty, when people think, I'm going to end my life. I can't handle this debt. And we say, let us give you a hand up. Let us fight for you. Let us advocate for you and get you out of debt. And maybe you'll find Jesus while we do. It comes through food banks. When people say, I can't feed my kids. And we say, let us stand. It's a privilege and an honor to feed you. You sort out your kids because you're, you can do that. Let us feed you. It comes through planting congregation after congregation so people can form friendships and say, if you're in Bexhill, there's light. If you're in St. Leonard's, there's hope. If you're in Hastings, there's somewhere you can go and find the God who made you. It comes through TLG that Christians come alongside kids that are on the verge of being kicked out of school. And statistics show if you don't make it at school, and it tends to go really badly. And they come alongside and they support them so they stay and get their education. This is Christians. This is the church. This is the light of the world. It comes through re- Reflect Pregnancy Crisis, where people that have uh, had to make tough decisions about pregnancies, either before or afterwards, are just loved and given a safe place to process emotion where they perhaps couldn't before, so it doesn't just dominate them for the rest of their lives. This is the church. This is the, us. This is the light of the world. It comes through the Syrian resettlement program in this town where people welcome people, aliens, the foreigners, people from other countries. It comes from the Transom Trust, which is two homes. We say, are you homeless? We've got a bed for you. But it also comes personally. It says, you don't light a lamp like in a home and stick a bucket over it. Our homes and our lives are not off limits to people. We of all people should be, I've met a Christian and their homes and their lives are open, not just their projects. I think in the past we've done projects and our homes have been closed and that's led people to question our motives a bit. Our homes are not off limit. We don't retreat to our homes and put like a bucket, oh, I'm safe now, then I'll go out to the nasty. No, our homes are also part of being the light of the world. Two buckets I want to talk about from, from our homes. We can put buckets. One, because the Bible doesn't say make yourself shine. It says let yourself shine. So it's like, oh, I don't know if I can shine. You haven't got to worry about that. It's not even a question. Lights shine. That's what they do. You introduce people to Jesus. That's what you do. You can do it well or badly, but you do it because you are a light. It's what you, that's what this new birth in you does. So you haven't got to worry about will I, can I do it or not. We have got to worry, but we have got to talk about buckets, putting buckets on lights. And the first bucket that you can put on that stops the light getting out, I think is persistent, ongoing sin. 
you're horrible at work, you run a business and your finances are basically bent, um, you look at stuff you shouldn't do all the time. It's, it's like persistent ongoing. It's not being perfect, but stuff that makes people go, I want to find out about Jesus. Oh, you're not very nice. Persistent ongoing sin. Here's a news flash. We've all got areas like that or had areas like that or maybe we'll come into areas like that. If you've got that bucket, find someone who hasn't got the same problem because it's like someone with a bucket on their head trying to help someone else with a bucket on their head. All you do is bang heads. Find someone you know has got that sorted and say, I'm re- I've got a bucket on my head. I've got something that's really holding me back. Could you help me? Could you give me some advice? Could you keep me accountable? And just repent. Just, just deal with it. It's like the thing we can't talk about in church, isn't it? Because we're all supposed to be nice. No, he saves sinners. He makes them new. And in the process of working it out, we find there's these persistent areas of sin. You think, I can't shake this on my own. I've got like a weakness. I need you to support me. Just find someone. Get it dealt with and get shining. That, in a sense, is the easy one. There may be some consequences. Some restoration needs to take place. Talk to someone. We'll work through that. But the bucket I think is more important for us is this. It's a bucket of self-doubt that says, I'm not mature enough, I'm not secure enough, I'm not able enough, my personality doesn't really lend itself to talking to people about Jesus. It's all that stuff. Now imagine, if after this it gets dark, I go home, I open the door, and I put the hall light on, and the hall light says, well, I'm not a street light, you know, I'm not very good at this, so I'm, I'm not going to come on. So you stumble through the hall, you think, I'm really thirsty. You go to the fridge and you open the fridge and the fridge light goes, no, I'm definitely not coming on. I am pathetic, you know. I'm a fridge light. I'm not going to shine. I want it to be a stadium light. So I'm not coming on. So you're fumbling around in the fridge and then I've got a dog and it has to go be let out at night to do its stuff. So I get the torch and I go outside and I put the torch on. The torch says, well, I'm definitely not coming on. I mean, if the whole light can't come on in the fridge, like, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm battery powered. How pathetic is that? I'm not sure. Listen, some of us are like streetlights. We have quite a lot of prominence. We have quite a significant role. We affect a lot of people. Shine like a streetlight for Jesus. That's why you're made for it. You're made for it. He wants, and, uh, uh, at the end, we want to, come back and meet Jesus but for some of us I think we want to stand and pray with you because you're made for this you're in the right place doing the right thing you're made for it and sometimes it can feel exhausting and God says no you are my street light he's so proud of you he wants you to shine for Jesus in that place when it's tough when it's hard and it's like he's cheering you on going yes come on come on keep going keep going some of us we're hall lights we have less impact on less people, but still quite a few people come into our life. He says, that's fine. Be the best hall light you can be. Some of us, we're just a fridge light. One person comes in to my fridge. Listen, that's okay. When I go to the fridge, I don't want a stadium light. Can you imagine? You open the fridge. Wah! You couldn't see. Sometimes a fridge light is what God says is needed in someone's life. You're just what's needed. You're just what's needed at that time. Just a fridge light. (laughs) A fridge light can't be a street light, but it's different for us. There's seasons when we feel like a fridge light and there's seasons when we feel like a, a street light. And some of you, 
you're like a torch. You think this church stuff just feels a bit awkward to me sometimes. I don't really feel I fit. I don't feel I've got to. Listen, your main calling might be outside the church. You may never be a pastor or a preacher or a worship leader, but when you go outside the church, you're on it. That's fantastic. Come in, be blessed. Bless us with your friendship and get out there and do the stuff at work. Love people better. Pray for them. That's fantastic. You might think, I'm just battery powered. We'll get the best jolly batteries you can and get on with it. Don't worry about being a different sort of light. Be who you are. It's great, isn't it? The most anointed you can be is when you're yourself. You can't be more anointed by trying to be something else. You can't do it. It's not how God's made it. The most anointed you can be is when you are yourself. Shine for Jesus. Have you ever thought this? If you think, well, I can't and I'm not and I shouldn't. When I play sport, we want to get inside of the head of the best players of the opposition. If they're not very good, we leave them alone. We want them to have the ball. Give it to them. We don't care. They're almost on our side. They've just got the wrong shirt on. So if you don't think you're very good, you count yourself out, probably the enemy is thinking, for goodness sake, we've got to shut them up. We've got to stop them talking about Jesus. We've got to convince them no good. They're no good. Because once they get this, this fridge light, every time someone comes to the fridge light, I say, I just want to tell you about Jesus. Wow. This street light, exhausted, so many people. If we can shut them up and get them out of the game, then darkness comes. If that's your thought process, have you ever thought that might not be just your thinking? Maybe you're being lied to just a little bit to take you out of the game. We need you. With fridge lights, we need you. Torches, we need you. Hall lights, we need you. Lamp lights, we need you. We need you, just as you are, in the place you are. And we want to cheer you on and encourage you with everything we've got. Okay, that's enough about us. Lamps, lampstands, they haven't got light of themselves. It could be a gold one. It doesn't light, does it? It's it's gold, it's precious, but it doesn't light. It needs a source of light. The source of light is Jesus in Revelation. And it says, I turned and I saw him. I saw the church and then I saw one like a son of man. And it says this about him. He's dressed in a robe to his feet and he's got a golden sash around his chest. He ain't no carpenter anymore. If I need my eternal soul rescued, as much as I love carpenters, they can't help. He's not just a carpenter anymore. He's gone through death. He's risen He's seated. He's got a gold sash. That means he's got dignity. He's got authority. It says of Jesus, after his gold sash, it says, his hair is white like wool, like snow. Now, white in Revelation in the Bible is when all the colors come together. It signals it's a sign of fullness and purity. See, my hair is uh, struggling somewhat, uh, because there's a bit too much testosterone and maybe not enough something else. Uh, when I was younger, and once I highlighted my hair to try and give it a bit more pizzazz, there's none of that with Jesus. He's not out of whack in any way, shape or form. He doesn't lack or need to add anything. He's complete, he's full, he's total, he's pure in every way, shape and form. This is the light that's in us. In 